This episode is brought to you by InstantQuoteTool.com. What are you sending your agents out in the field with? You know, the days of giving them that business card and telling them to wish them luck as they go out in the field, those days are over. You need to provide them with real marketing materials. How do you do that cost effectively when things are changing so rapidly? Well, at InstantQuoteTool.com, we provide our ISOs with custom proposal templates where we make a completely customized PDF and web version proposal that has dynamically generated savings fields and other fields along with marketing materials. Head over to InstantQuoteTool.com slash podcast in order to claim your free 30-day trial as an ISO client. We look forward to working with you. All right, everybody, I am here today with someone that I've been really looking forward to interviewing for a long time, my good friend Rich Norton of Retriever Merchant Solutions. How are you doing today, Rich? I am doing fantastic. It was great seeing you at our Retriever Merchant Solutions Summit in Arizona. Glad to be able to spend some time Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Absolutely. So, so Rich is, uh, you know, a sales professional extraordinaire, mentor, recruiter in the industry, and uh, somebody that I respect a lot. And so, Rich, I thought maybe we could start out today by just a little, giving us a little backstory. Um, how did you end up in this industry? How long have you been selling merchant services? Give us a little bit of your backstory to give some context. Yes. Uh, I am a former encyclopedia door-to-door salesman, as you've heard in the past. I did that for 20 years. And when the 90s came around, we saw the writing on the wall. It was a dying business, and I had to get into something new. And someone from that industry actually introduced me to the credit card uh, merchant services. And I started out, and uh, that was in 2000. Started out pretty well with a different company, and then 2002 signed on board with Brian Kamstra and Retriever Merchant Solutions. And every year I can proudly and thankfully and honestly say has been better than the previous year. It's been an absolute blessing. Yeah, we actually interviewed Brian. Uh, I, if memory serves, I think Brian was actually my very first interviewee on this podcast on the, about 30 episodes ago or something. Uh, we had a really good interview with him. Really good guy. Doesn't get any better than Brian Kampstrom. He's absolutely fantastic and really thankful to be on this success journey with him. And I'm very, very happy. So, you know, if you can take us back in time a little bit, I know there's a lot of people listening who, uh, you know, maybe they were selling insurance, they were selling cars or whatever, and they're kind of looking into the industry. What was it that attracted you to merchant services uh, from encyclopedia sales? Obviously, with your sales ability, I'm sure there was no shortage of opportunity. So what was it that specifically attracted you to this industry? Yeah, for me, I was kind of hanging on by, by a mind in the encyclopedia business, everything that we would write. I was hoping it would go through. Uh, we were getting maybe turning in 10 sales a week. I did really well, but then I would only get paid on maybe three or four. So what attracted me was how would you like to get paid on just about everything that you write? 98, 99%. I'm like, I'm in. I'm all in. So <laughs> sure, that, that, that all, really attracted me. All you got to do is get them to say yes and you get paid. Yes, exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. But beyond that, uh, somebody told me years ago, that if you want to build wealth, you need to find the business that has residual income. Yeah. And uh, this, of course, as you know, Merchant uh, Services has wonderful residual income. So more than anything, that attracted me even more. Sure. So my next question, I, I kind of want to dive into this because I think our listeners, you know, honestly, what you do, Rich, is so unique that I think they'll need a little context to kind of understand what you do because, you know, at, at, at one point you are, you know, we could look at this and say I'm interviewing 
it has to be one of the top, if not the top, <laughs> merchant sales rep in the industry as far as number of sales that you personally make a year. I mean, give us some some idea. I mean, how many sales did you make last year, for instance, roughly, if you give us some rough numbers? Sure, absolutely. I'll give you an exact number. I did 301, and uh, that is on top of what I do because, I, as you know, I recruit, I train. Right. We have about 85 representatives that I mentor. I do shows. Uh, all kinds of stuff. So in my days where I kind of focused just on selling, I was averaging 400 per year. And my best year when I got challenged, I did 500. And then someone really challenged me and I did 601. So that's my best year. So you you actually wrote over 600 merchants yourself personally in, in 365 days. Yes, uh, my That's wife insane. wasn't too thrilled because she didn't see me too much. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I sure. I promised I wouldn't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, I bet. Uh, well, unfortunately, in this industry, you're still making money off those 601, many of them. So yes. it, it worked out great, right? So absolutely. Um, no Okay, so we've covered that aspect. So now answer the question that everybody, uh, you know, the, the, everybody listening right now is, is thinking, I can't believe somebody could write 300, 400, 600 deals in a year. And then they're like, wait a second, and you have a team? So help us understand, I mean, why do you do that? Why do you mentor all these 85 agents and bring new people into the industry constantly? And, you know, why do you do that when I know your time is so valuable? What's your rationale behind doing the recruiting along with the personal sales? I, and I get a lot of people that ask me that. It's like, do you still sell? And then why do you still sell? And, and certainly not for the money. Uh, I'm a firm believer is uh, leadership by example is the key. And I want to make sure I'm staying in tune. And I think people are going to emulate what I do and follow what I do if I can lead by example. So I just love writing merchants. I enjoy getting up in the morning. I enjoy driving out to the areas. I enjoy helping merchants. So to me, that's my most favorite part of the job. So I'm thankful to be able to do that. Thankful I got the health to do that. So I, I just love it and I enjoy it. So like I said, to me, that's the most exciting part of the job. But just staying in tune, staying on top of the industry. Sure. Um, I don't want to be the type of guy that's sitting behind the desk and say, go out and sell. And, you know, I'm, I'll be sitting here waiting. I want them to know that, and this is my crazy philosophy, is that I'm going to be the number one representative within my group. I'm going to outright everybody. Yeah. So that's my crazy philosophy. <laughs> I love it. Um, in fact, right before we started the interview, you told me, and if you don't mind me sharing, I mean, you actually got a couple cash discount deals today before the interview, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. I actually uh, wrote two merchants today, uh, both on cash discount and wow. both cold, both cold calls. That, that's awesome. So, you know, one thing I've seen a lot that I think really hurts a lot of top reps, I'm sure you've seen this in your group even, where you'll have a representative that's really good, they're on a good track, they're making a lot of personal sales, and then they get this bug to start a team. And, you know, they'll hire, they'll, they'll, they'll recruit three, four, five agents, and then they're like, oh, I can't sell anymore. You know, I've got I got to take care of these three agents, these five agents. And, you know, uh, they're only getting a percentage of the income and, and their, their income just drops like a rock. So what would you tell agents like that that are looking to build a team? What kind of words of encouragement or advice would you give to them to, you know, build a team, but also to kind of keep your, keep your income on the, on the up and up, you know? Yes. Yeah. Great, great point. Uh, I call that executive itis. <laughs> I just want to be a manager. I just want to be an officer of the company. I don't, I don't need to sell anymore. And what ends up happening is the representatives really don't relate to the manager because they're wondering, what's, you know, is he still out in the field? Is he still in tune? So if you just go out in the field and you just lead by example, make the calls, 
and take people with you in the field. Show them the opportunity. Yeah. And this way, when they have questions, uh, they know you're out there and they're going to respect you more. Uh, they're going to look up to you and they're going to have great questions. You're going to be able to help them with the questions because there's so much new technology in this industry. And if I stopped working five, six years ago and people were asking me questions, I wouldn't even know how to answer them. Even some of the questions I get now, it's like I'm still learning every day. Once right. we stop growing, we start shrinking. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think now that they've now that our listeners have a little context of okay, this is a guy who's selling, you know, two, three, four hundred deals a year personally and managing a team of, you know, eighty five plus representatives. I'm sure the next question on everybody's mind is schedule, you know, and I really enjoyed it. We I got to have lunch at the summit there and I really enjoyed picking your brain. But if you wouldn't mind sharing the condensed version of that, I mean, how do you schedule your day if you can give us the rough outline of it so that you're able to get all of this stuff done? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, you know, when I was in the encyclopedia business, I had a completely unbalanced schedule. I was working seven days a week. I was successful in that industry, but falling apart in every other phase of my life. I am a firm believer proper balance is key. Sure. I have many people that will ask me, Rich, when do you sleep? I do sleep. Here's what I do. My schedule, I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I've got to become a health nut because I want to make sure I have good energy. I do 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, 100 jumping jacks. I walk for 35 minutes. I put some good music in my uh, praise music, or I put uh, some good positive inspiration I'm listening to. I jump in the shower. After that, I eat, I play guitar, and I drive, uh, leaving the house about 7 o'clock, drive to the area. It might be one hour, two hours, might be three hours. I get to my area. I cold call. I follow up. I do appointments. I try to be done by 3.30. I'm home 90% of the time by 6 o'clock. That's my goal. My goal is to get home, take my retriever merchant services hat off, spend time with the family, have dinner with the family, and bedtime for me is really, really late, 8.30. So <laughs> You're I, a I'm night owl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I'm really partying that. But actually, you know, it's 8.30, 9 o'clock, and that's my schedule, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So I'm sleeping seven hours. That's what it takes for me, and I'm eating healthy, and I've got more energy than I've ever had. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, that's actually a really interesting segue into one of the other things I want to talk about because you talked about driving out to your first like appointment. So, you know, this is a big debate that goes on in our industry: uh, telemarketed appointment scheduled leads versus uh, cold, you know, just walking into the business, cold calling, whatever you want to call it. So, um, you know, you usually have a few appointments uh, for your day. Talk about why do you still like to have the appointment scheduled leads versus just walking in? And then, of course, you do walk-ins as well. So why do you set it up that way, and what do you feel is kind of the difference or the advantages or whatever of, of those two different approaches? You know, uh, the leads are gravy on top of what I'm already doing. And I guess the question that I have for everybody is, do you want to control your own destiny, or do you want a lead generator to control your day? And what ends up happening, I see this a lot, where many representatives will say, well, my lead generator only got me one lead today, so I'm not even going to bother going to it. My day is shot. My philosophy is every day I've got 25 to 30 business cards in my pocket. I am prepared to go out and contact 25 to 30 businesses cold. The leads, whether there's one, two, or three, is just in between, and it's gravy on top of what I'm doing. And I know by doing that, I have freedom. I can go anywhere in U 
USA, any small town, any area, and I can write one to two to three plus merchants every single day with that philosophy. Now, talk a little bit, uh, Rich, about um, appointment scheduled leads. So um, these are from the, this is from your own telemarketer, or this is like the Retriever Call Center? Where, where are you getting the leads from? Um, this is from our Retriever Call Center. Okay. And on average, yeah, I'll usually get one to two, maybe three, but it's important that for those that do have a lead generator, that they work as a team together. So while I'm out there cold calling, I'm certainly going to find owners not there. I'm going to find owners I've just caught at a bad time. So I'm gathering business cards, picking up business cards. And at the end of the day, I'm actually sending them to my lead generator, and I'm giving them as much information as I can. And I say, this is where I'm going to be in that area. This is the day I'm going to be in that area. Give them a call. Here's the information. And I get leads along that area also. Yeah, and I think that's such a crucial point, Rich. I don't think we've ever talked about that in the podcast here, and it's, it's so practical. It's so important. I did the same thing um, with the processor I was selling for back when I was out in the field selling full-time, did not offer any appointment scheduled leads. I wish they did, but they didn't, so I hired my own telemarketer, um, and what, that's what we did. You know, It was like a scheduler slash appointment scheduler, <laughs> and so yes. I, think, I think it's important to have that relationship um, because uh, you know they can add so much efficiency to your day, right? But if you if you just look at them as oh I got this person going to send me leads, well you know that's that's a little bit more challenging, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And then you're working together as a team. They get lifted up. You're encouraging each other. He knows he or she, whoever your lead generator is, knows that you've got their back. You're working together, and you've got a winning team. Do Do you have? Is there any different approach that you use in terms of? presentation pitch when you walk into a lead versus a cold call? I mean, I'm sure there's a little something different you say at the beginning, but what are your thoughts on that? Is is there a dramatically different approach between the two? Not really. Like when I walk into the business, and that's why it's important for everybody, and as I teach everybody within our group, that whether you're cold calling, whether you're walking in on a lead, everything that we do is a mindset. Uh, you got to have the right mindset. The problem is, is many people walk in and they've got dollar signs in their eyes and they've got the stamped on their forehead, I need a sale. And the people <laughs> can read that, right? Right. So if, and the whole philosophy is do not sell, go out there and help. And as you're driving out to the area, you look in the mirror and you say, how many merchants am I going to be able to help today? Who will be the fortunate uh, merchants that I'm visiting today that are going to be helped by me? And when you get into that mindset and you go out and contact businesses, the confidence that you have, it just rubs off and you're just a friendly person having fun, enjoying what you're doing. We have a slogan, we're having fun and we're making money. And if you go out and have fun and you enjoy yourself, you're going to make plenty of money. And when you make plenty of money, you have fun. Yeah, fun. They go hand in hand <laughs> together. So yeah. yeah. So really, with that, it's like whether I walk into a lead or whether I go in as a cold call. I just walk in. I say, "Hey, my job's easy. I work with Retriever. I'm, I'm out here helping people. Everybody loves the fact they deal with me face to face. Dealing with direct processing, they get their money quicker. So I have a really easy job, and I just laugh as I'm saying that. And they're like, "Oh, okay, yeah." So it's setting the tone right when yeah. you walk into the business. So important. I, I think the first. 15 to 30 seconds of the interaction with the prospect is where most salespeople uh, lose the sale. Would you agree? I, they, they just don't get off to a good start, I feel like. No question about it. 
yet because uh, everybody knows that's whether they're coming into this business or they've been in the business. It's a very competitive business, which anything is good is going to be competitive. Right. But the key is you can be one of them or you can be the one. So if we can <laughs> rise above the yeah. average merchant, you know, people say, yeah, we get calls all the time. We get people like you all the time. Agree with them. Say, absolutely. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been doing this for years. These guys have come out of the woodwork like crazy. They call every day and merchants are sick and tired of them. So whatever they say, I agree with them and I'm on their team, t- uh, teaming up against the other people. Right. So we're in this right. together. Yeah, I think it's important you use words like them and the other companies or the big, yes. like, I, I do that all the, I love that. Yeah, I always say, would say, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, I'm sure you get calls from all these all these credit card processing salespeople. They call you all the time and drive you nuts, don't they? Oh, they sure do. But, you know, exactly. I'm, I'm not one of those. So, yeah, I love yeah. that. I think that's yes. I think that's great. So important to, to get off to a good start uh, in the conversation. <clears throat> one more just kind of side note, uh, Rich, like, before we get into kind of team building and talk a little bit more specifically about what you're doing with that. Um, you mentioned uh, before the interview about these couple of cash discount deals, and you said something that I, I really wanted to dig into because usually on this podcast we interview like the executives and all these people that are never out in the field, and I keep telling people that you know this cash discounting concept is catching on, and as I'm talking to agents in the field, they're telling me that you know they're hearing more about it, people are, are accepting it more, and from what you said, I mean, is is that been kind of the experience? Is it starting to, to show that a little bit? Oh, yes. Yeah. More and more uh, people are even asking about it because one particular merchant, as I walked in and they he just started complaining right away. And I said, OK, I'm presenting this guy cash discount because he just came out and he goes, why do I got to pay for these people's rewards? You know, I'm sick of paying for their mileage. And I, why do I got to do that? Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's the biggest complaint <laughs> is uh, yeah. you know, uh, merchants are tired of paying for rewards and all these bonus points and four percent cash back. So we came up with a rewards recovery program for the merchants. And there you go. You're right. In your presentation. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, that's great. Yes. So good, good, in, good intel from the field there. So, okay, so let's shift back over to team building. Um, so, you know, I noticed in this industry, there's a really big focus on recruiting. Uh, a lot of money is spent. A lot of things are done to recruit people. But uh, then those same agents that were recruited through Monster.com and Indeed and, and Craigslist and everything else, then they're reaching out to me because they found my videos online because they got zero training. So yes. um, talk a little bit about that. I know that's always a challenge. Everybody that's bringing on new agents, and of course it's a balancing act. You know, you got to be filtering people a little bit. But talk about that process of as an agent comes into your group, what are you doing that you feel like is maybe setting your team apart in terms of getting these agents activated, training them, especially those that are maybe newer to the industry? Yeah, that's a great point. That, and that's the problem because many representatives that come to us come from a different merchant company. And the issue is, is you have these uh, managers or executives from other merchant companies that say, come aboard, we're going to promise you this, this, that, that. And by the way, here's your case, here's your stuff, here's your material, uh, call us when you got a sale. Right. And that's it. And that's good luck. Training. <laughs> yeah, good luck. And then and people get out there and they, they might get a lead or two and they're garbage leads and they just don't know how to go out there. They have no confidence at all. So, you know, we could have the greatest opportunity in the world, but if no one teaches us or trains us, we're not going to get anywhere. So what separates us is uh, what I look for in anybody coming into this industry, whether they're have sales background or they don't, the key factor I'm looking for is desire. If they have desire to become successful, we're going to teach them, we're going to train them. doesn't matter if they've had sales background or no sales background. If they have desire 
and the willingness to do whatever it takes to become successful, they will have success. What I do is I have my own shows that I do. I'll promote them right now, RMS Sales Training and Inspiration. It's on YouTube. And I've got shows on everything from cold calling to reading statements to uh, closing effectively. But we have, uh, of course, your videos are fantastic, uh, what you do with helping people read statements. We encourage people to do that. But the most important thing that we do is we grab somebody by the hand. Excuse me. We take them in the field, and we have them watch for four days, three to four days in the field, because that's going to be the best training of them all. They're going to see pretty much every scenario. They're going to learn how to uh, connect with people why we said this, why we didn't say that. On the fourth day, one of the things we started doing is a little role-playing where the professional will actually watch the new representative and assist them and kind of guide them as they're going along. Yeah. So it's uh, by the end of that fourth day, you know, we call that caddying. They get the caddy for three or four days. But at the end of the fourth day, you know, they're ready to go out and contact merchants, but it doesn't end there. You know, it's not you're done with, call me when you got sales. I do constant motivation every single day. Uh, people are getting group texts at 7 in the morning. I know I'm waking some people up. Uh, they're getting video. <laughs> they should be up already. Right. Uh, they're, getting, they're getting videos. They're getting training. I send out a Monday morning motivation. Uh, we do sales blitzes, and those are fantastic. We get 25 representatives somewhere like in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. In the morning, we'll do a training class. We have a breakfast meeting. Everybody goes out to their areas. At the end of the night, we celebrate our night. We have a fellowship dinner, and we do that Monday through Friday. And people learn more in that week than they would uh, probably for two months. So nobody with us ever feels like a Lone Ranger representative because if if that's the way it is, it can be a lonely job. Just driving <laughs> yeah. out and, and yeah. going to your area, it's like you're not talking to anybody except the merchants. And it, it, could, it could get discouraging if you're getting a little bit of rejection. So that's why it's important. Everybody's lifting each other up. They're encouraging. And that's why we have such a lot of success within our organization. Sure. Wow, that's that's great. And, you know, Rich, I'm really glad that uh, we were able to work this interview out today. Um, you know, several reasons I really wanted to have you on here. One of them is that, you know, when I was selling in the field full time, I was doing 15, 20 deals a month. And when I say that now in my videos, um, so many people say things to me like, well, you can't do that anymore. Nobody's getting that many deals anymore, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, and I know all these people that are. And so I thought, you know, it'd be great to actually get somebody on here that actually sells merchant services. Um, yes. right. And the other thing too, is I think from a team building perspective, um, I talk to a lot of team builders. I do a lot of consulting for different companies and things. And, you know, one of the common strains is that a lot of people just really don't want to put in the work. Um, I mean, not just on the personal sales side, like you're doing, but even with the agents, they don't want to text them every day. They don't want to do the constant, you know, connectivity. And, uh, you know, I feel like at least your experience, I think is similar to mine, which is if you really want to get a team going, you got to put in a lot of work, right? You have to. Uh, there's no question about it because I've talked to other group leaders even within our company and you know, they uh, tell them what we do and they even said, man, we're missing the boat. We're not even close to what you're doing. Your, your, your group is very fortunate and that we have, like I said, over 80 representatives. They love it. You know, they're right. texting each other. Friendships are being built and it's a corny thing, you know, retriever family, but it really is. Everybody feels like they're part of a winning team. Uh, we, when we get our awards, you know, I was very thankful to see in the top five representatives, we had four of them from my group right. and, uh, you know, 
no cutthroat. They're encouraging each other and they're helping each other. So people feel like they're part of something sure. very positive and we're all growing and we're all winning together. That's awesome. Well, Rich, let's end it with this. I'm sure there are definitely going to be some uh, you know, representatives listening right now who uh, maybe they're looking for a mentor, maybe they're looking for a team and they want to learn a little bit more about what you're uh, doing, what you have to offer. Uh, where would you send them to learn more about it and to reach out? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, if, you, if you've made the decision that you're going to be in merchant credit card processing, find a company with integrity. That's us, Retriever Merchant Solutions, A-plus rated. We're not perfect, but we have a lot of integrity. We sell with integrity. Uh, if you want an opportunity where you can earn great money and great residual income, and sometimes people get too caught up. I make 80 cent, 80%, 60%, 70%. Well, 70% of nothing is still nothing. We're going <laughs> to teach you how to become successful because I have representatives earning 20000 a month, 30000 $40,000 a month, and I'll show you the numbers, and I'll teach you that. Our group will teach you that. So if you're looking for an opportunity and you're ready to go to work, and you're ready to become successful, you have desire, you have determination, you can call me personally. I'm getting calls all, all day, all, all throughout the week from representatives around the country, and we'll bring you on board, and we'll teach you how to be successful and have your dreams come true. My phone number is 904-434-4635. Uh, you can email me, uh, retriever, J-A-X-F-L, at AOL.com. I'm old school, still got AOL. And, uh, <laughs> Well, you know, Rich, I, I specifically warned you, don't give out your cell phone number on this podcast, but you did it anyway. And uh, I'm telling you what, if you're listening to this podcast right now, this is a guy who sold over 600 merchants in a single year, and he just gave you his cell phone number. So if I was you, I would probably reach out <laughs> anyway. But uh, Rich, thank you so much uh, for your time today. Always a pleasure. And I just really appreciate what you do in the industry. I appreciate the positivity that you bring to it and, uh, and just the, the mentoring that you're doing for a lot of agents here in the industry. My pleasure, James. You're a true blessing. I'm glad to call you friend, glad to get to know you better, and thank you for all that you do because everyone within our organization really looks up to you and they're thankful for all the all the services that you provide. So you're you're breeding success. Awesome. Thanks, Rich. Have an awesome day, man. Okay, you too. Thank you. This is the Insiders Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by Greensheet.com, a premier resource for the electronic payments industry. The Green Sheet has been on the beat since 1983, always focused on boosting the feet on the street in our evolving sphere. Well, this week I wanted to hit on a couple of news items of note. Uh, first up, I wanted to talk about logos. MasterCard, you may or may not have heard, has announced that it's dropping its name from its iconic interlocking circles logo. MasterCard executives said the move was prompted in part by research indicating that 80% of consumers spontaneously recognize the brand without the word MasterCard. They added that the, quote, flexible modern design, that is the MasterCard symbol, that is the red and gold interlocking circles, is also a better fit for digital channels. The new brand identity will be rolled out to all MasterCard products and communications starting with MasterPass beginning later this month. Uh, All products and collateral materials will have the new logo by fall, MasterCard said. 
The red and yellow interlocking circles have been a hallmark of the MasterCard brand since the company changed its name from the Interbank Card Association to MasterCharge back in the mid-1960s. And MasterCard now joins a small group of consumer-oriented brands that have dropped words from their logos, including Apple, Nike, and Target. Quote, we live in a time where increasingly we communicate not through words, but through icons and symbols, said Michael Beirut, a partner in design consultancy that helped MasterCard design the new logo. I believe it may also signal something even more transformational. That is that credit, debit, and prepaid cards increasingly are mashed together in the minds of consumers and business owners without regard to brand. They are becoming utilities of sorts. That being said, I'm not sure other card brands are going to follow MasterCard's lead on this, at least not right away. But I wouldn't be surprised to see a trend in this direction over the long haul. What do you think, James? Oh, I don't know, Patty. You know, it's so funny. I, you know, uh, just so much of the of the news stories I read about it were so hilarious to me. Like, um, <laughs> you know, like like for instance, ones. the design firm that they hired and paid right. I don't know half a million dollars. Like they could have sent it to me, and I could have just used Photoshop and like erased the word. You know what I mean? Right? Like, like really? Like the guy who designed <laughs> I know, I the know. new logo? Like, does what? Like you're using the word design a little fast and loose there. Like he erased a Don't word. You, think? you know what yeah. I mean? Um, yeah. Oh, I agree. I thought that, actually I had, I had a very similar thought. Like yeah, you know, I'm it's in like, the wrong okay. business. <laughs> you know, and I also think uh, you know, kudos to Mastercard for you know promoting their brand to the point where they can remove their name and people. Right. You know, see it. I, you know, I have to I have to think that maybe it was um, an interesting PR stunt kind of played up a little bit, you know, more. It's like, I don't know. Do people really care? I mean, I don't know. You know what I mean? Well, like, you know what was, what was particularly interesting also is that this announcement was made at the Consumer Electronics Show out in Las Vegas last week. Oh, OK. And I yeah. think that that was part of Master when you when you say PR stunt. In a way, I think that was their way of sort of saying, "You see, we're we're modern, we're digital, we're cool, like you guys, we're we're geeks, <laughs> right? Cause, exactly, because we took the and, word and, off our logo, <laughs> right, right. Oh but, my, you know, it, there is something to be said about in a digital age, and you sure. know, I think, but I also think it's something that's a lot would have been a lot easier for Mastercard to do. Than Visa because basically Visa's logo is its name. Right, exactly. Right, right. You know, yeah. back in the day, it used to be, you know, sort of the square with a, you had a red bar and a, some mm -hmm. white and you know its name. But over the years, it's dropped. It's it's uh, the the graphical part of its logo in lieu of just using its name. Right. Well, its name is so short, it can get away with that. But I I guess to me the right. the, the the two big takeaways are congrats to Mastercard for being universally known. Um, right. And I wish they would have taken all the money they spent to erase that word and potentially created a legitimate technology innovation. But, you know, that's me. Yeah. I'm an entrepreneur. They're like, you know, a mega company trying to run the world. So, you know, all in yeah, all, I get but it. it but it is you know. interesting. I do think it's interesting that they kind of want to put themselves on par with the likes of Apple and sure. Nike. Sure. Yeah. They want to. They want to. You know. Show how their brand is is amazing. So. Yeah. I get it right. though. And I think it's. Uh, again. I think it's awesome to. Uh, you know. I can't even imagine having a company that got to that point where you know. Wow. You don't even need your name anymore. Everybody just knows your logo. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. The next item I wanted to bring up is um, 
has to do with uh, CBD and merchants selling CDB, CBD products. Um, what does CBD retail, stand for, Patty? It stands for cannabidiol. Okay, all right. And it's a compound. Cannabidiol is a is a non is the non psychoactive compound that's found in cannabis plants. Okay, and this is and like it, uh, CBD products, like uh, like oils or things to help with like sure, arthritis like, uh, or something. Bombs, things like that. Got it. Got uh, it. Drops. You know, um, and they're used mostly for you know. They, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of focus on using CBD for health benefits. It's been shown to right. support things. You know, like. Uh, stress, uh, PTSD, pain management. I'll be honest. I have a I have a dog that just blew out his cruciate ligament, and I've been giving him CBD oil. Sure, sure. Okay. For the pain, it helps with the inflammation. It's better than giving him morphine, you know. Right. Got it. Okay. I just want to clarify what that yeah. wasn't exactly what no, that's no, good no, that, for. No, no, no. That's so. okay. And cool. I was, you know, I'm glad you asked. I was going to explain that, but yeah. Now you've done it. So. All right. Good. All right. Go ahead. Okay. So so, so this need, you know, so DSW Shoes is, has announced that it is soon going to start carrying CBD products in select stores. Yes, DSW is a pretty large retailer. Uh, the company is linked in agreement with a company with another company called Green Growth Brands, which sells CBD infused products like muscle bombs, body lotions, foot creams. And the announcement follows the successful pilot last fall during which green growth products were displayed at about a dozen DSW stores in the U.S. And according to the company, nearly sold out in just 10 weeks. Hmm. Um, now, as I explained, CBD is short for cannabidiol, and most CBD products are derived from hemp plants, which is a variety of cannabis that's grown for industrial uses and has very low concentrations of THC, which is the compound found in cannabis plant, in, in, in the cannabis plant that we commonly know, marijuana, and THC is what gets people high. Hmm. Now, interest in CBD products has exploded in recent years as more states legalize marijuana and CBD. To date, at least 33 states have legalized marijuana for medicinal and recreational uses. And about and 40 have legalized CBD. And late last year, federal legislation was signed into law that reclassified hemp as an agricultural product, not a um, a banned substance under the uh, you know uh, right. the uh, what do they call it section you know the a banned um, drug right. as opposed to an agricultural product as opposed to a banned drug and sure. as an agricultural product. It puts the hemp plant on par with things like soybeans and corn. And corn. Right. The market research firm Brightfield Group estimates that CBD products generated a half a billion dollars in sales in 2017, and that firm expects total sales to top 22 billion by 2022. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, that's a huge market opportunity. You right. know, but to date, most ISOs and merchant acquirers have avoided boarding CBD merchants because of its relationship to marijuana, the federal prohibitions on cannabis, and corresponding card brand prohibitions. But that is beginning to change. Um, several ISOs have gone after marijuana dispensaries and CBD merchants by offering cashless ATMs, which clear debit card transactions through the EFT network and bypassing Visa and MasterCard. 
or decoupled debit cards, which clear through the automated clearinghouse system. And recently, at least two acquirers have told agents that they are now willing to board CBD merchants wishing to accept credit and debit cards. Uh, those are Elevon, which is the merchant services unit of U.S. Bank, and Esquire Bank, which is based in New York. Hmm. Now, I've talked with uh, ISOs and agents who say they've already begun boarding CBD merchants um, using these acquirers, and they are happy to see other acquire, you know, see acquirers get on board. Uh, among merchants, among ISOs, Paybotic, American Vanguard, and Ethos Pay. And these three um, already had been building books of business in risk merchant categories, including cannabis dispensaries. Hmm. DSW, of course, isn't the only major retailer interested in selling CBD products. Bloomberg News has reported that retailing giant Walmart is considering CBD product sales in its Canadian stores. Um, Canada legalized marijuana last year. And Coca-Cola Company last fall confirmed that it is looking to introduce a line of CBD drinks. CBD so, you know, drinks? Given, drinks. Can you imagine? Your, as if the caffeine and the Coke isn't going <laughs> to be good enough. <laughs> wow. Good night. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that, you know, I was surprised when I saw that, but not totally. Right. You know, because CBD has so, you know, it's become like the, the hot health kick these days. Right. You know, huh. And that's why I suspect we're going to see more activity in this emerging market in the in the years ahead. Wow. Very interesting. Yeah, it's definitely a hot topic right now in the payment space. Um, you know, I still think a big challenge is that, you know, a lot of the CBD merchants are also dealing with other products and things that, you know, classify them as, you know, either not able to be approved or right. higher risk or whatever. So, um, for example, uh, you know, one of the things that Elevon says is like they can sell CBD. You know, we'll board them if they sell CBD, but not if they're also selling cannabis, you know, <coughs> marijuana, right. or if they're selling paraphernalia. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah, because it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that develops over the next few years. Um, but uh, yeah, very good information though. And again, I know a lot of people are. Uh, yeah, it's a, that's definitely a hot topic. I hear about a lot in payment space. It's a hot space, topic. It, so. It's a it's an, a huge poten It's a potentially huge market. Right. And you know, as we've talked about before, you know. I mean, you know, what happens to some of these companies that might be, you know, selling other products and then decide to start selling CBD products is they end up, you know, ending they end up on the match list or something. Right, right, sure. So now that gives them a, gives ISOs and agents a little bit of leeway in dealing with these guys. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where if you're trying to go after that vertical, uh, you know, number one, you need to understand it, and number two, you really right. do need to understand the merchant a lot more. You know, agents are so used to, oh, I'm just going to write this merchant up. You know, it's retail, right. quick service. It's maybe auto approved. Um, if they're selling CBD, That's not work in this yeah, you're not going to get auto approval. They're going to want to dig in and see what's going on with the with the merchant. What they have to do, yeah, a lot of due diligence. Yeah. So, wow, really good information, though, Patty. Thank you. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by InstantQuoteTool.com. With over 30 training courses covering everything from sales objections to statement analysis, ISOs are using our learning management system to help new agents understand the industry and how to sell merchant services. Industry veterans love our courses because we dive deeper into concepts such as interchange and explore new industry trends like cash discounting, NFC, and the resurgence of American Express with the OptiBlue program. 
Put all of these training courses together with the leading proposal creation tool for merchant services agents in the field, and we believe our branded ISO solution and individual user package is a must-have. Visit instantquotetool.com today or email support at instantquotetool.com to learn more. Hey everybody, so one of the most commonly asked questions that I get is about how to pitch cash discounting. Um, just today, just already this morning, I have had two agents who have already told me that they can't sell cash discounting in their market. It's just too difficult. It's too challenging. It's not working for them. Um, and, you know, the irony is I know their markets and I happen to know that there are salespeople successfully selling cash discounting in their market. So I tried to give them my best advice and I thought, you know what? I think I've had so many questions about this. I'm just going to answer it on the podcast. So let me talk to you about the two primary approaches that I have seen with successful people who are pitching cash discounting. So the first one is what I call the anti-processing pitch, the anti-processing pitch, okay? So the anti-processing pitch really hinges on you um, identifying yourself as somebody who is not part of credit card processing sales. You do something different. There's all those people uh, that do it one way, but you're different, right? So, you know, the way to do that is that when you go in, uh, you actually talk about credit card processing. And so when I walk in, I say, you know, uh, I'd say, hi, my name is James Shepard. And uh, the reason I stopped by today is that uh, we've really noticed something with a lot of small business owners in the area. It seems like they are getting bombarded by all of these credit card processing salespeople out there and companies that, that you know, really all they do is they sell credit card processing. They all do the same thing. They might offer you a little bit of savings here or there, different terminals, something like that. But, you know, the reality is it's gotten ridiculous where they're just getting called and called and called and people walking in and all that. Has that been your experience? And they're like, yes, we're sick and tired of it, and we don't like that anymore. Well, here's the good news for you. So, you know, what I do, I've actually been working together with local business owners, and our goal is really to just eliminate um, kind of that entire process. Um, the only reason that you have to pay credit card processing fees, if you, you know, probably realize this by now, is you are just basically funding the reward points and, you know, miles and all these different things for uh, the consumer. And so the consumer is getting most of the benefits. Certainly, there's a benefit to accepting cards, um, you know, higher ticket sizes, uh, convenience, things like that for you. But there's no reason you should have to pay all these exorbitant fees for reward cards and everything like that. And so we have a program that basically just eliminates those fees because we just don't believe that business owners should have to pay those anymore. So, you know, with that in mind and what we're trying to accomplish, I'm sure that's something you probably would want to learn a little more about or maybe have some questions for me. So right off the bat, <clears throat> you're separating yourself. You're kind of the anti-processor. And, you know, you're talking about it in, in that way. And so that's really good if you're in an area that's hyper competitive um, or you're going to set yourself apart. The one thing I will tell you that's a negative to that one, though, is that there's not a very easy backtrack with that one or like an options close like there is with the second one. So, in other words, if you're going to use the anti-processor pitch, well, you better sell them cash discounting because you're not going to sell them traditional processing because you don't do that, you know. Um, and there's some big benefits to it as well. Again, if you're in a hyper-competitive market where, you know, it's tough to get traditional sales anyway, um, this is a really good pitch because, 
you know, this pitch is going to set you apart from everybody else, and you're setting yourself up as, you know, you, you know, basically all you have to do is get the business owner to agree that they don't like the way it is now, which they don't, um, and then you can say, well, I have something totally different that's actually aimed at eliminating that whole side of the business. This is something very different that we do. So um, a very powerful pitch in a competitive market. Um, I will tell you that it does have to be sold. In other words, this is not something people are going to naturally be like, yeah, let's do that. Um, no, most people are still going to say things like, oh, we're not interested and no, no, we don't want to do that. And it would, you know, our customers, it wouldn't work for them and et cetera, et cetera. Um, now, let me give you one variation on this pitch that uh, I've talked about, I think, once before on the podcast a while back. Something that I have found to be very successful. I've, I've had several agents now that have done it and it's worked really well. Um, goes along with this kind of anti-processor pitch is that you're, you, you understand that, you know, in your competitive market, you know, maybe you've been out in the field and you've seen that people are going to say no to this. And the reason they're going to say no is because <clears throat> even though they hate the way credit card processing currently works, <clears throat> at the same time, they really don't have an interest in doing something that nobody else is doing. They don't want to be the first one. And maybe you're in a market where there isn't a lot of cash discounting deals um, you know, going on. So in that case, one thing you could do, let's say you want to sell auto repair shops. Go to Google Maps and search for auto repair shops and make a spreadsheet that's got maybe 30, 40, 50 um, auto repair shops on it and print that out on like a page or two um, where it's literally printed out. You know, you got the company name, address, phone number, uh, owner name, and then a notes section. And you print it out, put it on a clipboard. When you walk into the business, you do the anti-processor pitch I just talked about. Then you use a little show and tell. And so you say, now, let me let me explain what we're doing. Um, I'm definitely not here today to sign you up for anything or try to get you started on anything today. I, I wouldn't do that because I really want to make sure that there's a good number of people in the local market that are uh, you know, going to give you some air cover because I recognize you're going to want to do this with other business owners. So then you hand them the clipboard, literally hand it to them, and then they're going to look at it. And you say, now, what this is here, uh, you can see your name right there, you know, and then this is a list of all the other auto repair shops in the in the local market. And so what I'm going to be doing over the next you know few weeks or a month is I'm going to be going to all of these places and I'm going to be talking to everybody about this program. I know that everybody wants to do the program. In other words, I guess, you know, the way I would say this to you, Mr. Jones is, you know, if you really could save, you know, thousands of dollars a year, not have to pay these credit card processing fees anymore. And if you knew you had the air cover of other local business owners that were doing it as well, so it was going to be like this is the accepted way it's done in this community. I mean, obviously, if that was the case, this is something you would want to do. I mean, you'd love to save the seven or eight thousand dollars a year, right? And they're like, well, of course I would love to save that, but I'm worried about customers, et cetera. And you say, right, I understand that. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to all these places. I'm going to do all the hard work for you. And I am going to wait until I get at least 10 of these auto repair shops to agree to move forward. So my question to you is simply this. If I can get nine of the businesses on this list to say, yes, we will do the program as long as other people will do the program, will you be the 10th? In other words, will you throw your support behind nine other local business owners just like you who are just as frustrated with paying credit card fees, and will you work together with them to try out this program? Not a long-term commitment. Try it out for 30 days. If there's an issue, if it's not working the way you want, of course, you can always flip back to traditional processing. That's always your option, but are you willing to at least get this a shot with nine other local small business owners. So then what you do is, of course, you go walk into the other ones. Um, it's You'd be surprised it's actually not that hard to get people to say yes to be the 10th person because they know that they're not really signing anything right now. So the way they look at it is they can back out later. Um, but of course, you're a good sales professional, so you're not going to let them back out. So 
Then what happens is once you get the other nine people, you go back to that first one and you go in there very assumptive. You already got the paperwork done. Hey, Bob, uh, boy, great news, great news. And, and by the way, I just want to say thank you so much for throwing your support behind this program really early on. Uh, it was a big determining factor when I talked to Susan over at this place and Bill over at this place. I told them how excited you were about the program and how excited you were about the possibility of not having to pay the processing fees anymore. And so I think that really went a long way towards getting their buy-in. And so now everybody's excited to work together. So I just have a little bit of paperwork we need to fill out so that we can get this program rolling and help you to save those fees. Do you have like 10 minutes right now to do this or should I swing back by later in the day? So then if they throw any objection, well, you know, James, after you left, I was thinking about it. I decided not to move forward, et cetera, et cetera. And you're like, well, again, I mean, I, I kind of I understand what you're saying here, you know, Bill, but um, obviously you're not going to let these other people down. I mean, I went to these nine other businesses. They're all counting on you to be the 10th one. And, and again, if you try and it doesn't work, I totally understand. But let's go ahead and get things rolling so you can save the money, see what the results are like and everything. Now, what'd you say the, the legal name of your business is? Because I want to make sure I get that right on the paperwork. See what I'm doing there? Very, very assumptive. So that's kind of a, a variation of it. All right. Let's talk about the other variations. So we have the, that's the anti-processor pitch, and then kind of another way you can go about that one. Then the other option is uh, the uh, simplicity pitch, I call it. So the simplicity pitch. So the simplicity pitch uh, really is talking more about how it's credit card processing it's just very different. So you're not anti-credit card processing. You're not anti-traditional uh, processing. But, you know, it's just you have a program that's better. It's just a lot better. So the idea there would be some kind of a pitch like, hey, you know, the reason I stopped by today um, is that uh, I'm sure you get credit card processing people in here all the time and, and you know, talking to you about credit card processing. I do credit card processing. Um, but we have a really unique program where we charge $39 a month, $59 a month. Um, and that's it. You know, we don't have any other fees at all. Um, it's a very simple program. We just have, you know, $49 a month. Um, and, you know, uh, came here today to basically talk to you about that program. So when you do it that way, of course, they're going to then ask you a question, which is, well, what do you mean? How do you do that? You know, um, and so that's the pitch. It's very, very simple. There's really not much to say about it. It's just a simplicity pitch. And I've heard a lot of variations of it. Some agents are selling the terminal lease. So what they're doing is they're saying, you know, uh, the program's really simple. Maybe it's, you know, $59 a month. The way it works is you pay $49 for the uh, terminal because we have to put a new terminal in here that is, you know, programmed to do this uh, cash discounting. And then we also have a $10 statement fee. Um, and that's really it. So you just pay $59 and, and that's it. And then everything else, you know, the terminal is set up to, you know, uh, calculate the cost of processing, increase the, uh, you know, increase the, the amount uh, of the transaction a little bit, put that on the receipt. And uh, that's really it. So, you know, that's, that's all there is to it. So are there any questions you have about the program? So that's the simplicity pitch. So um, the good thing about the simplicity pitch is that, again, some people are going to say no. And they're going to say, well, that sounds really interesting, but I don't want to do it or whatever. Well, then you can backtrack and say, okay, well, I tell you what, let's do. Let's at least save you some money. I mean, the goal here is to save you money. If you're not comfortable saving a lot of money by doing this program, I'll at least save you a little bit of money on the traditional processing. And then what I'll do is I'll keep you in the loop. And as business owners in the local area, you know, take advantage of this program, I will come back and let you know that. And at some point, hopefully you'll feel comfortable making that leap so that you can go from saving, you know, five or six hundred dollars a year to saving five or six thousand dollars a year. Um, and so then you can kind of transition over to that one. So a couple of options for you when you're pitching cash discounting. Um, I would encourage you to try those out. Uh, I would encourage you to, uh, you know, play around with them. Have fun. Uh, when you're out selling, as uh, Rich Norton told us uh, earlier in the episode, have fun and make money. And uh, I think that will be a very, very powerful uh, pitch for you to use out in the field. 
My name is James Shepard. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production from greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. We hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.